you remember that we are in a, in a, in a series uh, of the Bible books. Like we, we picked three Bible books. Uh, we, we covered Exodus, and we talked about the themes in Exodus. We talked about, uh, sorry, uh, Genesis, Exodus, and today we are going to be talking about Leviticus, a wonderful book with a wonderful speaker, Marianne, that she's going to present it to us. And again, the idea is to really give us an outline, uh, an overview about the book. Sometimes we get into the details, but we need both. We need the details and we also need the kind of the bird view, the outline, the theme, so that we can understand. Many times we understand better if we know the big themes, and when we read the details, we put them, we plug them into the themes so that we really understand and benefit because themes repeats. God's dealing with us repeats. God dealing with the people back then is the same as God's dealing with us today, is the same as God's dealing with the people in the in the future and with us, of course, when we grow in the in in, in, in the future. So it's very helpful and, and, and the idea is hopefully that it motivates us to read these books. So how many finished the book? We we had a we had a competition, kind of a competition, or whoever finishes the book will get a will get a nice nice prize. Who finished the book of Exodus during last week? One. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, so I'm gonna check by the end of the meeting. Maybe new people will come. Maybe they would finish it, and we'll. Uh, We'll see uh, if you're tempted with the prize. Maybe you consider this for the next week if you read the book of Leviticus. So the coming week, it is about the book of Leviticus. So uh, please join me in welcoming Marianne as she leads us through the book of Leviticus. Hi, everyone. Okay. Um, we're going to do a little bit of uh, an overview. Okay. Um, and I'm going to give you guys like uh, a link to a video I found really helpful in sort of like understanding the outline of the book. Um, and then we're going to focus in on um, sort of one of the main themes that were highlighted in multiple resources about the book of Leviticus, okay? Um, so give me a moment as I um, open up. So let's first start off with what do we know about the book of Leviticus? Uh, sorry? Lots of laws, excellent, yes, very good. What else? In the, in the desert, yes, great setting. Lots of laws in the desert. What a wonderful start. <laughs> what else? What's the meaning of the book? Like, of the name of the book? What does it refer to? Levi. Levi, like the, the priest, the brother of Moses. Or like the family of Levi, I apologize. Okay. What else? Or the tribe of Levi, I should say. What else? Anything else? What's the book before it? Exodus. Good, great. What's the book after it? Uh, Excellent. Very good. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, good. We're going to read the first verse of the book of Leviticus. Can someone open the first verse? 
how the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Perfect. Excellent. Thank you very much. Perfect. So, how does it start? <laughs> how does it start? Good. From where? Very good. Okay. Go then, if you would, to the first verse of the book of Numbers. Do you have Coptic reader? Coptic, Coptic reader, ma fush ay ad wal ay hagar. Just an easy, easy way. <laughs> Okay? 
And it's all about sacrifices. It's all about sacrifices. And there are five kinds of sacrifices that are described. Five kinds of sacrifices that people can offer to God. Okay. Um, two of them are sacrifices to say thank you. Two of them are sacrifices. And three of them are sacrifices to say, I'm sorry. Two are to say thank you, three are to say I'm sorry. Okay? Those are the first seven chapters. All right? And in our talk, in our talk later on, as we move on, we're going to talk about the meanings of each of these sacrifices a little bit more, the symbolic meaning. Okay? Questions so far? <laughs> All right. Um, and then, and the seven, sorry, um, the three that say I'm sorry seem to always involve some sort of burning or some sort of um, animal sacrifice. Okay? Keep that just in the back of your mind. Okay. Then what? So that's. And I'm going to divide it, sorry, like, like sort of my resource divided it. That's the beginning of the book. The end of the book contains feasts, okay? So holidays of the Jewish people. How many holidays are there? You want to take a guess? It's a common number. We also have a similar number. Seven. Perfect. Okay. There are seven of them. Okay? And there are seven weeks that are um, sort of given by God to the people of Israel. Um, and the idea behind those seven feasts, they have their different sort of significances, but the idea is, is part of holiness is the celebratory nature of our relationship with God. God himself wants to celebrate um, different instances in our lives and different sort of milestones in our lives um, with us, okay? I think it had talked about 1 to 7, and we talked about um, 23 to 25. All right, I don't know, Mikhail, also? 27. Okay, so then we move on to 8 to 10. Chapters 8 to 10, about 1 to 7, all the sacrifices, then 8 to 10. What happens in 8 to 10? The priests are ordained. The book is called Leviticus. Might as well mention the priests. The priests are ordained. What tribe are the priests ordained from? Levi. Levi. Amazing. Hence the name of the book. Excellent. Okay. Um, and there seems to be a concept within the sort of ordination that this is a sort of um, consecration to God. Like the tribe of Levi is consecrated to God. Um, and in essence, as this consecration happens, and it's on a mini scale what's happening to the people and on an even, you know, like if you go even bigger with the circle, it's what's happening to everyone who's called by God, okay? Um, so it's like a very focused dose, as it were, of, of what God is trying to do to everyone else, okay? So the priests um, sort of are interesting in terms of like in the book of, Levi, of Leviticus, and they're interesting because they are representatives of two things. They are symbols of two things. They are two sides of the same coin, okay? They are representatives of the people in front of God 
and they are representatives of God in front of people. Okay? And so they are the center of this book's call to holiness, okay? Because not only do they represent the people in front of God, so they really have to do their best um, to sort of abide by the call of the book, but they also represent the holiness of God to people. So um, they are teachers of, of these laws. They are also practicers of the, or practitioners of this law, etc. But a problem happens. A problem happens once the tribe of Levi is consecrated to God or once the priests are ordained. Does anyone know um, what happens? It's a bit of a disastrous situation that happens to Aaron and his family once they are consecrated or shortly after. Okay. Two, two of the sons of Aaron are like, well, cool, we're priests now. So they just enter the tabernacle of God sort of like throwing every single law that was just put in, like behind their backs. Right, we're, we're priests, so we're going in. All right? Complete like neglect, complete lack of respect, complete lack of like sanctity or sanctification for this place. They're just like, we're priests, okay? And God does not take very kindly to that. And a big lesson is taught where these people are, are seem to like sort of be consumed on the spot or die on the spot by the holiness of God. And in that instance, in that instance, another thing, another lesson gets taught by God about holiness. Remember he said, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And he's like, this whole book is about this transition from like outside the tabernacle to inside it. This lesson is holiness or this sort of sanctification or the sort of like God sorry, what is holiness? What is holiness? What is it to be holy? Is it holy to be disciplined? Okay, to be disciplined. Yes, that's part of it. Yes. What else? Good, okay. Yeah, but what does it mean though that we're called to be holy and that God Himself is holy? Right? What is holy? Like the very depth of holiness, what is it? Like as a definition, as a word. I'll look at it as like good. Okay, goodness. Yeah. Good. This like purity perfect or goodness, yeah, like purity. perfect purity or perfect goodness. Yes. Good. Sacred. Sacred. Good. It's, it's almost like a setting apart. Holiness is a setting apart, okay? And in that setting apart, there's this perfect, it's set apart because it's perfectly pure. Whatever is holy is perfectly good and it's perfectly pure. And so by nature of that, it is set apart from everything else around, okay? And that's the call of the book, just so we're clear on the meanings of the words as we describe. Okay, pop quiz. First seven chapters, what are they talking about? Very good. And then there's a bit near the end that we talked about. Which chapters were they? Very good. What did they talk about? Very good. Seven. How many feasts? Seven. 
Okay. Um, and then three chapters that talk about ordination of priests. What are they? Very good. Okay. All right. Any thoughts or comments thus far? How many chapters have we covered so far? seems to be like a church life. Yes, yes. So it's like a feast and of course we don't do sacrifices right. but it's, we have only one sacrifice. Yes. But like the feast and so kind of a, the church life. Yes. Uh, the people, the priest and the, so forth. The manual of the worship life. The worship, what? yes. What are you going to do to make this work? Mm. Perfect. Mesh, any other thoughts? Okay, all right. Okay. Then chapters 11 to 15 come up. Chapters 11 to 15. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 11 to 15 talks about um, ritual purity. Okay. 
Remember in the New Testament where where everyone is asking Jesus, why didn't you wash your hands? Why are you sitting with this person? Why didn't you wash your feet? Like, like that seemed really like complicated. Yeah, that's the ritual purity. Okay. What was the point? Let's let's say some examples of ritual purity. A person is impure when. Okay. Yes. Although this does not make it into ritual purity. So ritual purity is like not a simple state. So ritual impurity, like a person being ritually impure, is not a sinful state. So when, when the woman's over, the right, okay, so menstruation, good. What else? Any bodily discharging. Good. Would consider that impure. Very good. Um, especially like reproductive discharges. And we're going to talk about why that's relevant. Good. What else? So let me give you a story from the New Testament and then you guys tell me. Um, Christ stops the um, son of the widow of uh, Nain and like touches the body. Touching a dead body. Okay. All right. And and also like some food rules go into all of this. Also like we'll go into, yeah, all the kosher rules. Okay. What's up with all the touching stuff? Like, I don't know, like this is part of life. What's up with that being impure? Yeah, like, I don't know, like if a friend dies or a family member dies, am I not supposed to like care for them? What's up with that? Well, there's a place for uh, like love. Um, interesting. So that's an interesting point, but it's not, it does not seem to be how the book is concerned about it. Like, the book is concerned about it literally just from, like, you do this, you're unclean. No matter, like, what your thoughts were, no matter what your intentions were, it's just, like, you're unclean. It's, uh, it sounds like cross-contamination. They don't want to touch one thing and then touch yeah. Excellent. Good. Very good. The idea of cross-contamination. Whenever you enter, um, like what's called like a sterile field or a clean field, what you're supposed to do is you're not supposed to touch something that's unclean and touch the clean. It's not that it's morally wrong, it's just that you're you're not respecting the cleanliness or the sterility of the place you're going into, okay? So God wanted to instill the idea of holiness as being set apart, not only on the moral or spiritual level, but also on the physical level. And these things became relevant, like why it was relevant to mention all of these, is because they were representative of death or of loss of life. Loss of life, right? The, or the potential for life being lost. That being touched was a reminder to the people that death and holiness, death and God do not meet. They don't mix, right? There is no presence of death in the presence of God. And so they were not sinning by being ritually impure, but rather they needed to be reminded you cannot, you cannot have touched with, touched or interacted with death and stand in the presence of God. Okay, um, and it was a reminder that carries a symbolic importance. Can anyone sort of like link this point to its symbolic importance to the understanding of salvation?
a hustle strategy. Like it's like so complex, and it's like why? Why are you doing this? This is just a part of my life. Why are you making this so difficult? What's its point? Like what's the lesson? The the lesson about why we can't do these. Yes. Things? What's the lesson about death? Not mixing in the presence of God, or not possible to appear in the presence of God. Why did God make a point of that? I mean, it kind of seems like foreshadowing in a way. Good. In what way? The incarnation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Am, am, I, am I warm here? Yeah, yeah you're very warm. You're very <laughs> yeah, warm. It seems kind of obvious, but... <laughs> um, but it's not quite. Yeah. I, it's not that simple, huh? <laughs> no, no, yeah. you're very warm. You're yeah. very close. Yeah. So let me tell you a different story. I want to remind you guys of a story. Adam, Eve, don't eat of this tree or you will die. Mm -hmm. And what happens? Good. They eat of the tree, and so now there's corruption in them, and so they cannot stand in the presence of God. And so God creates a daily reminder in everyone's life, in the people of Israel, that death does not stand in his presence. This becomes so ingrained in the Jewish mind Mm -hmm. that the, the concept of death becomes almost um, like a juxtaposition to who God is. Yeah. God is life, and death is a completely separate entity that cannot exist in the presence of God. Right? The separation is clear. Yeah. All right? And that was important for our understanding of salvation because the link that gets this corruption to be able to stand in the presence of God is Christ himself, is God himself. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so that's why the distinction becomes so important to establish in the mind of the people of Israel on a daily basis. Okay. Any questions about this part? So this part is purely physical, purely ritual stuff. Like it's literally like sanitize your hands, wash your hands. That's what he's saying. But he's saying it in like every single part of their life. That it, And he links it to purity. He doesn't mm-hmm. say like stay clean and stuff. Like he links it to purity, and he links it to standing in his presence. Mm-hmm. You cannot stand in God's presence being impure. Right? Yeah. Okay? All right. Uh, yes? I, I have kind of two uh, two observations. Yes, like uh, I like that, you, that it's specifically ritual purity, which yes. is different from a state of sin. Yes. So it's ritual purity. It's not that I'm in a state of sin, but it is I am not in readiness. Yes to approach mm. God. Yes. And also what you said kind of remind me with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What yes. we were doing, what we were doing during COVID, yes. like if you shake someone's hand, I have to go sanitize my hand. Yes. If I touch this, I have to go sanitize my hand. If I do this, I have to go wash my hand or sanitize yes. my hand. So it's kind of maybe maybe COVID made it more, uh, at least to yes. me, any kind of more relevant that it is ty- kind of I'm doing every effort not to get this COVID virus yes. one way or another. Yes. So I'm, I'm doing, in, in, in the book of Leviticus, I'm doing every effort that I do not have any kind of death yes. in this way. Yes, Does this exactly, sense? exactly. Yes, that's so, that's, and Abuna, as you were talking actually, it brought out the irony of the Pharisees or uh, the Pharisees talking to Christ and saying, well, why are you not ritually pure? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 
interesting as you read it because he's the one link that can link both of these things and remain uncorrupt. Mm-hmm. Like remain complete. Like he's the one person who like the laws of Leviticus can bring us from outside the tabernacle into it. Mm-hmm. So it like every time now like that these verses come up it's like that's funny. It's almost like God is indirectly reminding us I'm the link. I'm the link between the two. Um, yeah, COVID. <laughs> All right. Okay, excellent. So we talked quite a bit then about the concept, concept of purity and impurity. So how about other kinds of impurity? Are there other kinds of impurity? Yeah, but there are. Like an impurity that like we know, like the impurity that we sort of think about. What? So we talked about the ritual impurity, which seems like almost like laws of hygiene. Yeah. I did say we'll go back to the kosher food thing. There are theories out there. I do not know at all why. I could not find a, a, a source that sort of agreed as to why these food were foods were okay or not okay. Looking at them, like sort of like just from outside, some of the foods that were sort of prohibited would have been difficult to maintain without fridges and would have been rather detrimental to people's health, like from a health perspective. But like sort of the symbolic nature of these things, I am not aware at all, okay? Um, Just sort of to address that. If anyone is aware or has read about like what they mean or what they signify, please do share it. Like Like pork? Yeah, like pork or like shrimp or shellfish or like, you know, certain animals. I'll be honest, I just thought uh, the pork thing was because, you know, the pigs played in the pen and dirty and filthy. Sure. I thought that was something. I mean, the refrigeration kind of makes sense too. Yeah, I just thought. Yeah. I really like do not know, but they make it into the chapters of ritual purity. God does not say they make you in some way spiritually unclean, but rather that they're ritually impure. Yeah. Um, don't mix dairy and uh, milk and milk and right. Don't mi- mix, which also has like yeah. scientific value for that time with no refrigeration of either of these things. Okay, how many chapters have we done? Nineteen. Excellent. Are they nineteen? One. 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 Sacrifices can chapters what to what? One to seven. Excellent. How many were there? Seven. Yeah. No. <laughs> Trick question. How, five. five. Good. How many were to say what and how many were to say what? Two things are. Yeah, two things. Two things. With three? Sorry. Good. Okay. What was next? So that's one to seven. <laughs> eight to ten was the priest. Eight to ten was the ordination of the priest, and who died in eight to ten? Why? Because they're too conceited. Right, and yeah, and they did not respect the the sanctity of the tabernacle. Good. Okay. Then what? Twenty three to twenty five. Good. Was a Very good. Very good. And how many were those? Seven. Very good. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Okay. And then what else? 
Very good. Okay, were what? Qualifications of the Qualifications of the priests. Excellent. And they were what? Representatives of. There's this whole double-sided yeah, system. Good. People to God and God to people. Okay. Good. Okay. Then we're camp chapter. Fifteen. Amazing. What else? How many other chapters have we talked about? Very good. How many are those? Four. Yeah, five. Five. Yeah. Okay. Five. Five. Okay. All right. Five. Five. What are they talking about? What are they talking about? The five. What kind of ritual impurity? And it's about the separation between what and God. Death and God. Okay, very good. Twenty. Twenty. No, no, no. We still have the. We still have sixteen to twenty. Are you? And then we still have twenty-six and twenty-six. Amazing. Amazing. All right. We're gonna talk about chapters eighteen to twenty. So remember, the book is walking side by side on both ends, and then there's a central theme. We said. 18 to 20. What does it talk about then? Then we talked about ritual impurity. Then 18 to 20 is about moral or spiritual purity. Excellent. Very good. Basitek. All right. Um, so what were they called for? They were called to three major themes. Um, they were called to care for the poor, unlike other nations. Um, around them at that time, who uh, for the most part neither cared for the poor because they were not contributory to society, nor their sick, right? So care for the poor. Um, uh, social justice, which kind of like goes hand in hand with that, and sexual integrity, okay? Those were the three themes of uh, moral purity. Can, can you repeat them again? Okay, sexual, uh, sexual integrity, uh, social justice, and caring for the poor. Okay, excellent. All right, then we reach back almost like the peak or or sort of like the highest point of the story. Come on in, come join the fun. There's a lot of pop quizzes happening here. Math skills not required. <laughs> For now, this is a trick uh, statement. <laughs> about ritual purity and the books about moral purity. In between them, God puts our highlights, one of the major sort of days in the Jewish calendars. What is it? It's the Day of Atonement. Yom Kippur. All right, Yom Kippur. What is the Day of Atonement? It comes up in the New Testament. But what is the Day of Atonement? What is atonement, first of all? I'm going to take guesses. What's atonement? Yeah. So, 
Sorry, to remove your sins. To remove your sins, yeah. yes, yeah. yes. And it has a another part associated with. Yeah. So there's almost like a, a sense of payment involved in atonement. Okay. So for instance, for instance, I just made fun of your math counting skills. Okay. And so to atone for you know for this error or for this mistake, I must come and say sorry and perhaps make fun of my own mistake, I don't know. But like, you know, atonement involves not only a saying of sorry, but also a sense of uh, payment such that this issue that is between us is now resolved, okay? All right, so, so what is the day of atonement for then? We understand now what atonement is. What is the day of atonement? The day of atonement was about the concept that most likely, as people tried to say sorry through how many sacrifices? Thank you, three. As they tried to say sorry through three of the sacrifices, they wouldn't catch everything, okay? Some sins might, might fall through, some sins they may not remember, etc. And so, because the book is about standing in the holiness of God and being present in the holiness of God, God put away for the people to atone, which is to say sorry, and to pay, pay some sort of like, in you know, thing for their sins, God made an atonement plan. But it's interesting that, because the atonement was almost like was given by God, but makes almost no sense. So let me let me give you another example. Say say I hit your car, okay? And then I come out and give you a flower. No. <laughs> exactly. Have I done anything? I haven't fixed your car, have I? Have not made you feel exceptionally better. Right? But I've given you a flower. And you are like totally cool with that. That's what the Day of Atonement sort of has. It has this sense of a sin that's not necessarily, for instance, killing. It might be uh, getting angry at your brother or at your parents or whatever, right? And then to atone for it, God gives this interesting um, ritual, okay? And the ritual involves two goats. How many goats? Two. One of them is presented to God um, for atonement, to say we're sorry, okay? And that's presented to God and it's burnt up as offering, as though it burns away people's sins. And the other goat, the priest puts his hand on the goat, sort of lays the sins of Israel on the goat, and kicks the goat out of the land of Israel. Like literally asks it to leave the land of Israel. Like they leave, they like make it go away. They make it leave. Exile, they exile the goat. They let you kick it out. What the heck? What the heck just happened? Let's divide it, okay? Um, so let's first talk about a verse. We're going to read a verse that may help clear something. Leviticus 17, verse 11. Anyone who has it can start reading.
for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. I have given it for you. I have given it to you for atonement, right? For your souls. For your souls. I have given it to you for atonement for your souls. Remember the flower for the car accident situation? The blood in and of itself alone of the goat carries no meaning other than the meaning that God has imparted on it. And he has given the meaning to that blood for atonement in symbol, in preparation for blood that is to come, okay? And so for the people of Israel, there are very clear concepts. We talked about one of them being death and God don't mix, they don't stand together. There's also a concept of holiness as being set apart. And then there's concept, this, this concept that God gives that blood is given by God as atonement for sins. Okay? What about the goat that's let go? But that goat is not killed. What about that one? What's up with that? Sorry? Forgive the sins. Okay. Maybe but forgive the sins was the goat that was just killed and burnt on the altar. Like you already forgot the sins you have made. So interesting. There's Remember how the blood of the first goat is a symbol of blood that's to come? Who else was exiled from, from his own land or was like sort of led out? Jesus himself was led out, okay? And so the goat or the lamb then, like the goat pointing to the lamb that's to come, that carries the sins of the world was also led out of his own city for the sake of atonement for the people of Israel, or for us all that. The day of atonement is the central focus of the book of Leviticus, okay? And it's the central focus afterwards of many of the letters written by the apostles to explain the Christian faith to people, all right? There seems to be a centrality to the um, salvinic nature or the nature that gives salvation of the blood in Christianity and in the Jewish mind. So the Jewish mind associated blood spilled, especially innocent blood spilled with sins being forgiven. And so there was so much preparation in this concept for Christ coming for our own salvation. Let's read a few verses or a couple of verses from the New Testament that point at the exact same thing. So we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. And if someone can read it out loud. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. redemption through his blood buddy through the richness of his grace for our sins, sins. Of sins yeah according to the riches of according to the 
again, the concept that forgiveness being given through Christ's blood is a work of grace on God's part. It's a work of like accepting something or giving us something. He's basically literally giving us the way to forgive our sins. Just like in Leviticus, he gave the blood as a way for atonement of sins to remind us of the sacrifice that's to come. Or to point everyone to like, when you see the sacrifice, this one living true sacrifice, that's what all the prep has been for, okay? All right, we're gonna read another verse and it's gonna be Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. <coughs> of course. Right in the middle. I looked at 26 to 27, and I appreciate the concentration that got you to ask that question. Thank you. Yeah. 16 to 17 is right in the middle of the book, and it's like the central theme of the book. Matthew 26, verse 28. 28, I said, yeah. Anyone? Heard from the man himself. Thank you very much. All right. So we've worked on it. We've tried to understand the interpretations. St. Paul has really tried to explain it. Heard from God himself. Okay. So the centrality of Christ's blood to our salvation is sort of almost like what the whole Bible revolves around. Just like, and on a minor scale, is what Leviticus sort of goes around, right? How do I move you from outside the tabernacle and I'm inside to inside the tabernacle at the beginning of Numbers? It's through the sort of central theme, okay? What's 26 to 27, though? It's about keeping the covenant of God. It's about Moses telling the Guys, heard it all? Couldn't have explained it more than this? Keep the covenant. Otherwise, it's going to be a disaster. Like, that's literally what he says for two chapters. Please listen to the covenant and abide by it. Otherwise, it becomes disastrous. And you lose your land and you get exiled, which kind of happens, which we kind of do as well. Mm-hmm. Right? But but that's Leviticus. chapter. <laughs> <laughs> What's the central theme of Leviticus? Holiness. Holiness. Very good. Okay. All right. How is it divided? What's the first division? Sacrifices. Sorry? Sacrifices. Sacrifices. Very good. How many of them are there? Five sacrifices. Five sacrifices. Again. <laughs> two to say thank you and three to say sorry. And they come in how many chapters? Seven. Very good. The first seven. Then we have chapters 8 to 10. What's it about? Very good. And who dies? Two sons of Aaron. Why? Exactly. They ignored the rule. Okay? They ignored the lessons of the whole book. Okay. What's next? Very good. What's that about? Good. What kind of impurity? Uh-uh. Ritual. Good, okay. And is that a sinful state or not a sinful state? Right. But it's about division between mean and mean. God and death. God and death. Good. 
skip the middle, we're gonna go back to it. But what's the middle, Bardo? Bravo. Which chapters is it? To 17. What's the idea? Shedding blood. Good. Shedding blood, innocent blood is given by God for atonement of sin. Good. What's next? Very good. What's that about? <laughs> it's the mirror of what was before the day spiritual purity good okay and what are the three principles good sexual integrity good caring for the poor social justice amazing okay what's next very good what what does that say that's for the very good qualifications of the priest so it mirrors eight to ten excellent good what's next 23 to 25 the fees amazing how many of them are there very good but in 26 to 27 please follow the covenant any questions or comments or concerns or reflections I have a, like a general question. Yes. So, uh, because from my understanding, so when when the, the Jews went after Christ for all the things that he did, mm-hmm. and they were referring back to Leviticus, yes. he said, I don't remember the exact thing, but he said some of these rituals that mm-hmm. he got came up with, he, these are man-made. So one of them was, I think, the divorce certificate given to um, like the man's wife. And if he's not happy with her, he would give her this divorce certificate. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, that's, that's, you made it up. Is that from Levit- Leviticus, or is that, where's that from? I think it was Moses. I don't recall, but I think Jesus said, for the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed. But from the beginning, he created them, male and female, what God has joined, together let no man separate. So this was kind of say, say, saying this was a transition, but what God has, de- has joined together, let no man separate. However, maybe what you're referring to is because because of there there are certain cases like like uh, like Aaron's son Nadab and Abihu they they made a mistake they were killed instantly uh, breaking the Sabbath people were killed instantly uh, so people became fearful and they added extra layers of laws to keep the law. So like the Sabbath elevator, like what we have today, like uh, not having fire. Uh, uh, so so they, they, they added extra layers. This, this is what is man-made, is to keep God's commandments, they overdid things just to keep the law, not the spirit of the law. Maybe this is what you mean, yeah. man-made, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what kind of social justice? What kind of social justice? To be utterly honest, I am not sure. Um, however, let's find out. Go to the chapter. I'm only mentioning that because yeah. you know, today a lot of things are blurred. Right. Yes. I see. I think it was a lot clearer back then. Yes. A lot clearer ten years ago. Oh, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
chapter um, 18 is about sexual integrity. Chapter 19. Chapter 19. So, yeah, if you go into chapter 19, um, the second verse has an example. Um, the verses, so we said second verse, chapter 19. Um, and then verses 9 and verses 10 and verses 11. So let's read some of these, okay? So examples of social justice from the book of Leviticus. Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Going to verse 9, he says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest, like not every little bit. Um, and you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. So that's like part of the, you know, dealings with each other. You shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of the Lord your God. You shall not cheat your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not remain with you all night until morning. So not even until the morning should you keep someone's wages. Um, you shall not curse the deaf, so not just because they can't hear you, you can just like go about like being mean. Nor put a stumbling block before the blind. So all about that, right? Like caring for the disabled, caring for the stranger, caring for parents, um, not cheating, keeping the wages of your workers. Um, you shall not go about a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. Um, you shall not hate your brother, even in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. So, yeah, so these all sound uh, instructional. Yes. More, more based on discipline than anything else, mm. right? You know, uh, make sure you don't, you know, harvest the corn. Yes. Treat your parents with respect, mm -hmm. your neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, In verse 15, specifically, you shall not do... You shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor. What's What's your thought? Do you have like there seems to be a part of that thought that is to come? Uh, no, I, I just like how clear and defined it is. Yes. Uh, because you know when you compare it to the parallels of today. Yes. You know, there is no the line. There's no line. Yes. There's, there's no yes and no anymore. There's no yeah. blur. There's no, no, no line. There's, there's no nothing. line. So like, it, it just see, I I just like how defined it is. Uh, even even like when I was a kid, society yeah. operated under like a universal mandate: treat people with respect yeah. and do this and do that. And, and yeah. things seem very uh, universal, unspoken, yes. unwritten rules, yeah. kind of. Now, uh, there's a lot of, uh, if you're not with me, you're kind of against me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they say you'll respect, mm -hmm. but they, yeah. you know, they, they immediately take that and turn it around like yeah. you are whatever, yeah. blank, you know. So I, I kind of just like, I, I like how this is, 
not twisting anything. It's yeah, really you're right. Yeah, yeah. I just like like no, it for its simplicity. Yeah, I think, uh, and that's a side commentary, but I think in the name of like tolerance nowadays, we've sort of destroyed the rules of love. Yeah. Like, if I love someone, I need to sort of, like, be clear about what's right and wrong and how we should interact with each other. Yeah. And I think in the name of tolerance, we've let a lot of those go. So you're right. Truth is often clear yeah. and, for the most part, simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, um, I read something the other day about uh, it's hard to be tolerant to be intolerant. And, and mm -hmm. there's, some, there's some sort of... Uh, kind of difficult to uh, yeah. balance the two. And, yeah. and the, the fact of the matter is we're not even called to tolerance at all. We're called to love. Yeah. I, like, I don't know what about the tolerance. Even if you like disagree on principles. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a very universal thing, but then, yeah. they're, then if you're not with them, then they're saying well, you're opposed to love or whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to share my... Yeah, like, like you said, the lines are not blurred. The lines yeah. seem non-existent. Yeah. 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 which is one of the very, very, very challenging uh, uh, books that we usually read. We don't understand what is the meaning of this, what is the meaning of that, but things right now have been uh, made much easier. Uh, thank you, uh, Moyen, for even helping us memorize it, uh, all of it uh, in, in this way. I hope this is an invitation, and I'm extending the invitation to read the book of Leviticus during this week. So anyone, last week we took the book of Exodus, Anyone got a chance to read the book of Exodus fully during last week? I have one, Ilaria. Anyone else? So Ilaria, uh, like as as as.